Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. This is Coach Prep edition number 17. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range podcast studio getting ready to talk about double play. Before we talk about double plays, we got to talk about Cleat It Up FP. Cleat It Up FP nice. is our partner. Um, they are our presenting sponsor, and Cleat It Up FP is your solution to your team communications. So whether it's within your team, within your organization, whether it's uh, allowing you to share updates and knowledge and, and information about accomplishments and things like that. Clean It Up is the tool you need to have. It's going to solve all your communication problems. It has all kinds of flexibility built into it. allows you to do free, all those different free things. free app, right? Tori? And it's a free app. So if you check them out at cleatitup.com, but it's Clean It Up FP, and we're very excited to have them as part of the Everything Fast Pitch and Coach Prep team think that uh, we're going to accomplish some great things together. So check it out at cleatedup.com. Awesome. Don, we had a suggestion. One of our listeners wanted us to spend some time talking about double plays. Double plays. And um, I think this is one of those things, first off, before we uh, get too deep into the mechanics of it, one of the misunderstandings or misconceptions about our game is that because of the 60-foot bases, that somehow double plays are like the unicorn. Few and far between. And one of the things that... uh, um, I think we've seen a little bit more in recent years, but a little bit more of an emphasis is on the idea of becoming double play skilled and being capable of turning double plays and working on it enough that it's a set of tools that we have in our toolbox. Well, I got to tell you, Tori, when when you see a nice double play turned, it just looks like a piece of art, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's and that's a not by thing. accident. Yep. And and some very good teams that have emphasized double plays, you know, we've seen them have some success. Uh, recently what's the key to being a successful team defense that that turns double plays number one is i think for us as coaches is figuring out ways to work on it and teach it mm-hmm. okay if our footwork is weak if our feeds and our throws are off if we're always just a step behind or a, a little bit shaky the idea of turning double plays becomes more and more of a dream and less and less of a reality and so my first recommendation would be to build into practice Every time that you do practice is an opportunity for your infielders to work on those double play feeds. And obviously, you know, the shortstop, second base combination are going to be doing most of your double play work. So I think there's a a good place to start would be, you know, separating them out, giving them some time at practice. You know, we're just rolling balls to the shortstop and she's feeding the second baseman. We're rolling ground balls to the second baseman and she's feeding the shortstop. And I think we need to work on all the different types of feeds that both players would need to be prepared to make. And as you're saying that, Tori, um, all those different feeds are, are based on how far we are from second base, on what type of ball is hit to us, right? Um, where we're at when we're fielding it, whether it's a you know a pivot a pivot feed where we're having to shift our feet from second base, um, whether it's a nice little shovel pass because right. it's a slow roller towards second. There's a ton of varieties of different. Uh, situations that call for a little different feed, right? Right. And so what we would always do is we would, you know, separate out the middle infielders and work on the different feeds, um, different types of tosses as, as a as a segment of what we do in practice. So we would start off with balls that are taking the fielder towards the bag. So a flip feed, fielding the ball and flipping it underhand because the distance is appropriate for that kind of flip and feed um, for both the shortstop and the second baseman. Now, part of what we have to really emphasize with our kids is if we want to turn double plays, the mechanics of what we're doing is important, but the timing of what we're doing is equally important, in some ways maybe even more important. When we're rolling a ground ball or hitting a ground ball to our shortstop, their job is to work on giving a feed 
to the second baseman that's easy to handle and that allows the second base person, second base player to do what they need to do. But we also need that second baseman to work on the timing of arriving at the base when the ball gets there, to be moving, to you know be in motion, um, and to get used to changing the direction of the ball much more so than the feeling of catching it and then starting all over to throw it. Absolutely. And and familiarity, like you're saying, Tori, all those different feeds and the timing of the feeds and the positioning of um, where we're receiving the ball needs to be almost something that we can count on right. for this to look like that piece of art that we're right. talking about. It needs to be exact. Yeah and, yeah. and it needs to be practiced enough that it becomes something that the kids have confidence in their ability. So we're going to start off with those flip feeds. Then we're going to go to a ball that uh, is a little bit further away from the bag that requires a little bit more mustard on it, but still, a, but still a controlled throw. So we always call, call these half throws. Half throw for the shortstop is I'm fielding the ball, let's say 20, 15, or 20. 15 20, 25 feet away. I'm fielding the ball, my body stays low, and I'm basically throwing the ball overhand but my feet don't move when I do it. So it's very much of a stationary throw. More of an arm throw. Right, it, and it's, it, it is very much of a feeling of a, like throwing a dart, half throwing. And we always called it half throwing because we're not using our lower body. But so I'm fielding the ball, I'm staying low. Um, in some cases, my knee might be on the ground as I make this throw, but I'm working on that feed, again, to the second baseman who's covering a throw that is easy to handle, that has enough mustard on it that it covers the distance quickly, but not so much on it that it handcuffs the second baseman. So when you say, uh, you know, easy to handle, to me, that would be something between the shoulders, something above the waist for sure, Right. where, you know, I can be uh, in a position that I'm more prepared to throw. Anything below my waist is going to cause me to do something uh, that takes more time and that's not really comfortable. Right. Right. Yep. And so now if we go to the other side of the field for the second base person, when they're making that feed to the shortstop on a half throw... This is one of those definitely need to practice its skills because for the second baseman, we are still working on that throw, that 15, 20, 25 foot throw to the shortstop who's now covering the bag with, again, not moving my feet. So I'm fielding the ball, I'm rotating my body slightly, my body stays low, and I'm throwing the ball basically arm only, again, a half throw to that shortstop who's coming across the bag to turn that double play. And again, we need to practice this a lot Because part of what we're thinking about, if we're going to turn double plays, being quick and efficient is really important. If I'm taking a lot of extra steps, if I'm building in a lot of extra footwork, that's going to slow down the operation and slow down the possibilities of me being able to turn that double play. Every step that that we're taking, they're taking one or at least one, you know, down the baseline, right? Right. So that's eating up that time. And on a lot of these feeds, a lot of these double play feeds, we don't need to move our feet much because we're not throwing the ball very far. You know, we're not trying to throw it as hard as we can. We're trying to make a controlled throw that's got enough pace on it that it covers the distance, but under control enough and and easy enough to handle that the middle infielder can handle that ball easily and quickly. Absolutely. And again, you know, a lot of the things that we stress and talk about is that we've got to work on these things. It doesn't happen magically. Right. Right. And and there's no shortcuts to being good at double play feeds. There's no shortcuts being a good pitcher. There's no shortcuts to being a good hitter. Right. You got to do the work. And and like you mentioned, the practice plan, if we've got this stuff set up to uh, do just a little bit every day, it's going to be something familiar to everybody. Right. If we do it for an hour once a month, 
Yeah, or and, one, once a year, and then we expect we're right. going to be yeah, really we, good at double plays. Well, we it's we crazy. covered that th three weeks ago, right. ladies. It's not like that. This isn't one of those skills that you can just kind of do sometimes and and be proficient at it. So right. let's make sure that we you know give them a little bit of time to do these things. And you know, as you're saying that, I'm even thinking in my line drills when I'm throwing, I can be working on the footwork that I need to have as a middle infielder at second base, whether it's a a slide step for the shortstop, straddling second base, receiving the ball, and you know, clipping my heels together, I can be doing that stuff all right. the time in my warm-ups, yeah. right? Well, and that's part of the idea of, of uh, the discussion today on coach prep is that coaches, it's up to us to design a practice that allows us to work on these things. If I have a choice between I'm going to separate middle infielders out for 10 minutes and in 10 minutes they're going to each get to do 50 or 60 or 100 flip half throws and all step the variety. Throws, yeah. And then we bring them back together and now we do double plays with the whole infield, then I think I'm being productive uh, planner and having Absolutely. a great practice. If we put the middle infielders out there with the entire team and we hit a ground ball to the third baseman and we expect her to make the great throw and the second baseman to turn a great pivot without having spent some time working on the fundamental pieces of it, I think we're going to end up being very frustrated very quickly. If we want that second baseman to be good at pivots and good at uh, changing the direction of the ball, we got to give them enough chances to really get proficient at it, get comfortable with it. You know, a perfect example, you know, when I, when I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, when Samantha, a uh, love lady, now she's Samantha Bates, played second base for us, we had a stretch for a couple of years where we were really, really good turning double plays. One, because Samantha was a really good second baseman, really, really quick feet, good, quick, compact throw, had worked on the skills of that position enough to get really good at it. And we also had a couple of other kids on the infield that had the kind of arm strength, but the ability to make throws to start double plays that set Samantha up for success. Now, Samantha was really good at handling her glove and turning double plays because we worked on it a lot. She was also naturally talented, had a lot of natural ability, so kind of drawn to it and she enjoyed it because she was good at it. But it made our team really good at double plays to the point that that year um, we were averaging a double play a game. It's awesome. Not just four, six, three, and six, four, three double plays. We were getting double plays from first, from third. We were getting double plays on bunted balls because we spent so much time working on it. So picture a situation where we got a runner at first and they try to bunt and we turn a five, six, four double play because our shortstop had worked on her footwork. You know, Beth had worked on her footwork and her timing so well that even when she was getting that feed at second base thinking we're just going to get the lead runner that she was you know so slick around the bag that she was able to turn that into a double play sam was a lot of fun she did camps and clinics with us yeah. she and, was awesome yeah, and, like and so sam. but but the the moral to the story is you know you don't know how good your kids can be at something if you don't give them the opportunity well, and that was a, a team of, i mean you know, that was our our high high water mark when, you know, when i was coaching at tennessee tech that was the beginning of that stretch you know, where we put that program on, on the map and those kids you know, were beating teams like Alabama and Florida State and California. And again, why is the story important? Because Florida State didn't think any of our kids were any good. Right. Well, and, and that's to the thought that I have right now, Tori, is that those aren't, gonna, those aren't skills that you need to beat up on somebody 12 to 1. Those are the skills that you need to beat in those white-knuckled tight games right. that, that are down to the wire, that that double play is the difference between you know, us getting to play into that extra inning or for us to lose by a run. Right. Yeah. And, and just think so how backbreaking it's it worth is. worth the time. Yeah. yeah. How, how backbreaking it is to the other team. Let's let's say it's late in the game and they get the leadoff runner right on. on. Yeah. And 
you know, they, they've got a fast runner and they think they're going to hit and run. And all of a sudden you turn that hit and run into a six, four, three double play or even, you know, more heartbreaking, a five, six, four double play. Cause they tried to bunt. Yeah. It's like, you know, the momentum totally shifts on, on one play and it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because you work on it enough to, to allow those opportunities. And so what a joy to yeah. see it. Yeah. And so, so back to our, our, you know, pulling those middle infielders out to practice the stuff. So we've practiced the flip throws that can take a couple of minutes and they can do 25 each. We've done the half throws you can take another couple of minutes. They can do 25 each. Then we can take another couple of minutes, do what we call the step through, which is the ball's taking you away from the bag. And so now we have to work on being able to move my feet, probably uh, pivot my body and step through, make a throw that's still going to be easy to handle and a, a double playable ball, a ball that that middle infielder can turn. And so those throws, you know, certainly for our middle infielders, we need to practice that because typically what ends up happening when the ball's taking them away from the bag, everything slows down and we start, you know, you know, being way too mechanical and, and throwing the ball way too hard. And the middle infielder ends up having to catch the ball out of self-defense instead of being able to turn a double play with it. So another part of the magic in this practice planning is trying to figure out the other things that the other kids can be doing while we do pull them away for this time, right? Right. They can all have specialized pieces that they're working on, whether it's blocking balls for catchers or, you know, over-the-shoulder catches or drop steps for outfielders or there's tons of things for everybody else to be doing as well. Right. Well, and what we would typically do, and, and again, you know, 10, maybe 15 minutes, we would have the corner infielders and the pitchers working on bunt defense. Yep while the middle infielders worked on their double play feet. And so on one infield, you don't need to have a second field. You don't need to have nope. any flexibility. You can put a catch net up if you want the middle infielders to throw. And they so, don't have to make that second throw. Right. They can just be working the feeds. Or working right. just the feeds. Or if they want yeah. to make the second throw, then you put a bow net out there for them to have a target to throw to, and it protects the fielders potentially from, yeah. from getting in the way of a throw. But so you work on those things for 15 minutes. So in that 15 minutes, your middle infielders have gotten a ton of really good work in on those double play feeds and, and turns. Your corner infielders, pitchers and catchers have had tremendous work, 15 minutes of working on, you know, communicating on, on, on all the bunt Squeeze plays, and those kinds of things. And, yeah. and then you put them back together. And now if we want to work on our third baseman feeding the second baseman for double plays. The second baseman's all warmed up and ready to handle it. And again, we, we should be able to plan it pretty effectively. And like you said, whatever it is that we do to have those other kids working on something productive while we pull those middle infielders out, it doesn't matter what your choice is, but choose something that's going to keep them all busy. Outfielders are in the cage getting their hitting in, whatever right. it might be. Yeah. But, but unfortunately, what a lot of us choose and, and a lot of coaches choose to do is, like I said before, we throw the infielders out there and say, okay, now we're going to do double plays. Everybody watches. And, and the second baseman and shortstop haven't you know, done any footwork. They haven't done any you know, preparation for this. And all of a sudden, now it's like super painful Blah. Yeah, to watch. And it takes forever. Um, so we want to be creative in how we put it together so we can get enough time, enough quality time for those kids to get that work in. Well, I think too, Tori, teaching them um, you know, what we're looking for, and then they can be working on the footwork at home. They can be working on this stuff on their own too, because sometimes a travel ball scenario becomes challenging to get everybody together. Let's teach them the things that they can be doing on their own. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a great next stepping stone. So if we spend some time on it at practice, if we specialize in it and show the kids that it's something that we really value... Then we can give them the homework. We yep. can ask them, or, or honestly, I think a lot of kids, 
I mean, if I'm a second baseman, and I know, man, my coach thinks I can turn double plays. Better be doing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be practicing like crazy because I want that chance to be the, you know, the the center of attention. I want that chance to stand out to from shine. the crowd. Yeah. And so pull those middle infielders, separate them out a little bit, give them the time to work on the throws, to work on the timing, because the timing aspect of it is very important. And so when your second baseman and shortstop get used to the timing, like I said with Beth when she was playing shortstop for us at Tennessee Tech. You know, she spent so much time working on her regular double play footwork that when it was a ball from the catcher on a bunt play, her double play footwork was still good. You know, it was a weird looking double play. You didn't expect to see it from that angle. But wow, did that happen? Yeah. yeah. And, and because she had practiced enough, and, and we did that you know, a handful of times that year, that was part of the reason why our you know, double play number was so high. But so we, you know, we, we worked on it, we emphasized it because we wanted to give our kids the opportunity to get two outs on one pitch Does that mean that every single ball that gets hits got double play written on it no but if you practice it don't be shocked when all of a sudden you look pretty good at it i love it like you said that's a momentum changer for sure yeah that's Anytime that, that's a, a backbreaker and obviously there's other double plays you know the line drive at somebody that leads to a you know a base runner getting doubled off and then the other one I wanted to give you a chance to talk about because you are our resident catcher, oh. the one, two, three double play. So that is a lot of fun too. And again, it's not always that you see that. You know, you got bases loaded. We're trying to cut off that run. But if you can catch a, a double play going home to first, that's just awesome. You know, for a catcher to be receiving the ball and, and be quick with their footwork is key to getting it there. And, you know, you got second base coming over to, to cover at first base. That's kind of a weird, that's a weird thing to be throwing there as the second baseman is getting there. And it's something that they've got to practice too in their approach to first base. So they are a good target. They're open to the throw and that they're not overrunning it. So they're going to get, you know, run over or steamrolled there at first. Right. But so that's something that we've, we've got to kind of anticipate and, you know, set our kids up for success by practicing it. Right. right. And, and the kind of the same idea, part of our routine at practice would be to separate the catcher out for a few minutes so that they can work on receiving that throw. For, and, and realistically, when we're thinking about turning double plays for the catcher, throws from third, throws from pitcher, throws from first. Pretty unusual that you would have one coming from the middle of the infield. It's tough, right. But, but I still think if you get really good at it, handling a ball that comes from the third baseman, if we get a good throw from the shortstop and a slow runner going down the line, going to first, there's no reason to think that we can't get those double plays with enough practice time. And again, too, you never know where you're at in your opponent's lineup. You know, we're not necessarily going to be as likely to get the leadoff or, you know, that quick stealing type person that's uh, at the plate at that point. But, you know, that's not always the case. So right. sometimes we're set up for, for that to be a little more likely. Right. But I think what uh, we want to really drive the point home for our coaches is that if you train your catcher to, here comes the play at the plate. It's a force out. I'm going to stretch out and catch this ball like a first baseman because we can only get the out at first, or I'm sorry, the out at, at home. home. Yep. can only get the lead runner coming home. Probably get that one out 99.9% .9 of the time. But what happens if it's a hard hit ball and a slow runner and all she's ever practiced is stretching out for the ball to make sure she gets the first out and all of a sudden, you know, she looks up and that runner's still 30 feet from first base, but she's, you know, in no position at all to think about doing anything with the throw. Or second base isn't prepared to right. be there for us, yeah. right? Yeah. So I had this uh, suggestion about talking about double plays. I was excited about it because it's something that I have always loved working on. Something that I think over the course of time, the teams that I've coached have been really good at. 
And part of it is just because I loved working on it, my motivation was to find ways to work on it every time that we could. Sure. No, not. And that's it. You can't, you can't shortcut it. Right. So we want our coaches to get excited about the opportunity. And the other thing that we end up uh, gaining from this is it makes our middle infielders much better infielders, period. Even if it doesn't lead to them turning tons of double plays, it teaches them to make different kinds of throws, teaches them to be aware of their body, teaches them different kinds of skills, you know, handling the ball around the bag and all kinds of things that are going to pay dividends, even if they never get a chance to turn a double play. I mean, we're catching the ball on the run and, and being prepared to make throws. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, so coaches, we want you to fall in love with the double play. Make start, it happen. Start practicing it, practicing it a lot, even for our younger players, because I guarantee you that um, the look that you're going to see on the face of those infielders when they start making these plays is going to pay dividends far beyond just the fact that you might get an extra out on a ground ball sometime. No doubt. That's going to be a difference maker somewhere for each of you. Absolutely. So that wraps up Coach Prep number 17. As always, we're looking for more suggestions. We appreciate this one. Um, And uh, please, if you have ideas, things that you would like for Coach Don and I to talk about um, in a future episode of Coach Prep, please contact us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. While you're checking things out on the internet, check out our website at fastpitchprep.com and absolutely check out our supporting sponsor, Clean It Up FP. Clean It Up FP is the solution for all your communication needs. It's your one-stop shop for sharing information within your team and within the softball community. So, Don, anything else? No, looking forward to a great week, Tori. All right, so for Coach, uh, Don McKinley, this is Coach Tori Atchison in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio saying thanks for listening to Coach Prep, and we'll talk to you again next week.